welcome to the podcast. I am Emily Aries. And I am Bridget Todd. And this is Stuff Mom Never Told You. And as you can tell, uh, we are not your beloved Kristen and Caroline, whom we adore. We are your new hosts here with How Stuff Works. And we couldn't be more excited to be here today, could we, Bridget? We're so pumped. If you could see our faces, <laughs> you would see big smiles. Yeah. <laughs> really happy. Longtime listener. And I had the pleasure of speaking with many of you in your earbuds on the show last year with CNC talking about Bossed Up, talking about burnout. And now I could not be more thrilled to carry the torch forward, right? And continue connecting and hopefully informing uh, a lot of us on ha- all the modern ways in which being a woman is complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. <laughs> it is. Body stuff, work yeah. stuff, fashion stuff, yeah. activism stuff, stuff, all the stuff. stuff. All the politics. All of it. I think now more than ever, it's important that a show like this persists <laughs> to borrow a term. And I know that I wouldn't, I could, I'm so honored to have you, Bridget, in this with me. I could not imagine doing this with anyone else. You're too kind. You're too kind. And Bridget, we go way back. We go way back. Right? Like lawn chairs. Right. We go way back. <laughs> I could not be more thrilled to be here. I guess my background is really in um, activism. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how we know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an activist and longtime organizer. I live here in Beautiful Washington, D.C., land of go-go music and half-smokes and politicians. Um, Yeah, I'm just your average um, activist, writer, content creator, Mm. gal about town. And like you, Bridget, I started off in politics. I started off with organizing for America on the Obama campaign, working as a digital strategist for a bunch of Senate campaigns before starting Bossed Up, my company to help women navigate career transition. So... It's so exciting to to bring together the professional development, the political activism, and 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 that's really the conversations we want to have here, and we want to continue that legacy of stuff Mom never told you. And I think it's important to say up front, we are not here to replace Kristen and Caroline. That would be an impossible task. Obviously, it's intimidating to to be clear. To be honest, it's a little intimidating. We are excited. We know that we bring a lot. Um, to this topic, but uh, we do so humbly, right? We're, we're sort of picking up that conversation because we think it's a really important conversation to have right now. And and on that note, I think today's topic is relevant, right? Because it's about forging relationships with women you admire, right? Starting friendships as a grown-up, as a grown woman after college, which frankly, is is a little challenging. It's, it's so hard. You know, I think that women who can conquer all these other things in life, whether it's professional successes or educational successes, you could have a million degrees and still kind of freeze up at a party. Right. And uh, feel really awkward when you're sending that initial, like, can we be friends? Let's hang, hang out. Yeah. Text. <laughs> yeah. So and I've sent those, right? Like, it's awkward. We've, we've done that. And it's different than networking. I want to get that out of the way right Definitely. away. But in some ways, there are more clear rules of engagement around networking. We're talking about that incredible woman you meet in kickboxing class and you send a text message and say, you know what? We should hang out. Like, we should be friends because we just had this great conversation. And then five years go by (laughs) and you're pitching them in a professional setting. It sounds like a specific... This is Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, Taylor from the United States of Women. 
she's like, Emily, you know, we met five years ago in kickboxing class. And I was like, oh, man, we never got that drink. We never made that happen. It's never too late. So I think today's topic is really unpacking the challenges of being a grown woman and making friends with the women you admire, like having a lady crush, as they call it sometimes, and how to how to turn that into a real friendship. Yeah, I think it's something that I've certainly struggled with in my life. And I right. think it's interesting in that as women, we can be these dynamic professional ladies. We can have this incredible sort of career success and have a lot of ease navigating those professional spaces. Mm. But these social spaces can also be kind of terrifying and awkward and uh-huh. hard to navigate. So we're going to get into it, talk about some ways that we can do that. Right. And I think what's great is that there is a lot of research on this. So much research. And I, the first article that really stood out to me was in the New York Times. It wasn't gender specific, which I found interesting. The examples differed between men and women. But that New York Times piece on why it's hard making friends after 30, yes, which ran a few years ago, but they keep republishing it because it was so popular. And I think it really struck a chord. It certainly struck a chord with me about the difference in, if you think about it, those tight bonds that you forge in a, as a, you know, in your childhood as a kid. And then as a college student, when you're forced into close proximity with a bunch of strangers and you you sort of rally together and build those foundational friendships, those are way harder to establish in life after college or if you never went to college, right? My brother skipped that whole part, went through the military straight out of high school, mm-hmm. and he never got those foundational friendships in college. Granted, I think his shipmates in the Navy sort of substituted in that regard. But I don't know. I find that... Still today, and I think a lot of us beyond our college years have the same core friends. Totally. And I think um, what's so interesting about that article is that like, basically, if you're someone who does not make friends easily as an adult, you found it to be challenging, mm-hmm. you're not alone. Right. It's something that has been proven by science that like it is do- a documented thing that it's harder to make those kind of friendships after um, you hit your 30s. And so in this yeah. article, they were saying that like, you know, by the time you you reach your 30s, you've gone through a couple of big life milestones right. and that those milestones really show you sort of what's important in your life, yeah. right? And so as you get older, you're much more likely to have those kinds of bonds with fam- like close family right. members because right. you might be thinking like, oh, I'd rather hang out with my kids or my parents or my brother or sister than like go to that cocktail party of a mm-hmm. friend of a friend that mm-hmm. I kind of know, you mm-hmm. know? So um totally documented yeah. by... By the research. Or your like partner, right? Your, and we yeah. should say we're both unmarried. So both unmarried women. You know, but we're in committed long term relationships. <laughs> Question <laughs> mark. We're in relationships for the most part. But I think it does change that that your bar gets a little higher. And that's that's where I found this to actually be uplifting news, right? It can feel a little depressing to say it's hard to make friends after college, but the reason behind it, they say, is that you know, quote here, self-discovery gives way to self-knowledge. So you become pickier about whom you surround yourself Ooh. with, which I think is a good yeah. thing. See, I actually like that because, yeah. again, it's like as you get older, you have less time. You kind of realize right. you have less time to, like, waste, right? When I was in my 20s, I would – if someone was having a party, I was going to be there, right? Ask. If someone was having an event, I was going to be there. <laughs> right. Now I'm like, oh – 
do I really want to schlep all the way out to Brooklyn? <laughs> to you know, yeah. all of that. Like, I'm much more likely to be a lot choosier about how I spend my time. The and so bar is much higher. Exactly. Yeah. And I think once you've done that, you've done the happy hour circuit, especially in this town. Especially. Because there is a, an endless array of happy hours. Hashtag this town. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little pickier about who you, you spend your time with. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Where I do think it it points to our our element of personal agency, right? Like you have power in this. You have right. choice about who you spend your time with. We should include those women who we want to be friends with on that list. Exactly. So you don't feel like you have right. to necessarily make friends with everybody that you meet, but like that special person that you, you know, can't stop looking at her yeah. Instagram feed because she seems so cool. Right. And you're like, wouldn't it be great if we were friends? So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, like being choosy in general. Right, but also not being afraid. And exactly. I think those those qualities, those prerequisites for friendship, which make friendship easier or make friend making easier at younger times in our lives are things like the uh proximity mm-hmm. factor, like actually being not having to schlep your yeah. way across town to hang out with someone new. Like my friend bar is very geographically Definitely, yeah. specific. I'm not trying to do a bunch of complicated metro <laughs> no transfers. Me- no metro transfer required. <laughs> like that's kind of a deal breaker. Definitely. You know, I, I think once you know which neighborhood they live in, you're like, oh, we could definitely hang out quickly and easily, and therefore our friendship potential is already much higher. <laughs> this is, is making so us nerdy. sound so lazy. <laughs> I know, I know, but isn't it true? But there is research that says the um, right that ability to run into someone without having to pre-plan it. Mm-hmm. There's that element of spontaneous interaction, mm-hmm. right? The neighbor who you might happen to see walking into her apartment when you walk into your apartment. Like that ability to cross over each other and run into each other without necessarily planning it beforehand. And and that's where a lot of my friends in D.C. were established after sports leagues that I joined because I'm a nerd. Uh, you know, the after-work sports game was over or volleyball, kickball or whatever – Maybe you want to go grab a drink. You mm-hmm. want to go grab a meal. Like that spontaneous plan. That's where relationships can can really come to fruition. Definitely. I mean, I've I've found that so many of my lasting friendships are just based on like we just keep bumping into each other, and right. it's like I can't help but feel like you're in my like universe. You're in my like you know landscape. I see you mm-hmm. all the time. I keep bumping into you at the bar, like right. all of that. And so you know, how many times have you been at brunch and then you you see a friend and you're like, oh, join us, like yeah. that kind of vibe. And I think those opportunities and that element of spontaneity gets less and less likely to happen in our lives yeah. after after college when we're working men and women. And I, I think. You know, I'm the biggest G-Cal abuser. <laughs> like, I'm the one who always needs to, there's, there's a, uh, a funny sort of conflict here in that I think the way in which I stay in touch with a lot of my friends requires being mindful about mm-hmm. planning and making time for people and making plans with people and not flaking on 100% of our plans. Yeah. I know we all do that a lot. I am a, you're a, a, a calendar abuser. I'm a flake abuser, right? <laughs> like, I'm that person who doesn't leave their house, really. And so I'm always like, oh, why? Like, everyone's hanging out without me. But then it's like, oh, you would have to leave your house right. for that to happen. You sound like Mindy Collins, right? Her <laughs> book. And I think there's a John Mulaney stand-up bit that he does about there is nothing that feels better than canceling oh, on plan. Heaven. It's like a hundred percent guaranteed to make you feel good. Like, nothing. You know what? I'm going to get out of this. Or when someone else canceled uh, on when plan you're that about, you were going when to. When you're about to text somebody, I'm not, I'm flaking right. and then they text you, right. they're flaking. It's like, 
the stars have aligned. It's like know. nothing better. They're like, you read my mind, but I don't have to be the flaker. This is, <sighs> I know. So we're talking about why it's hard to make friends and we're like, ah, the relief of not yeah, this having is to making, hang out with our like, friends. Listen to our advice about how to make friends <laughs> from a, from two seemingly very antisocial people. <laughs> Which couldn't really be farther from the truth. No, it's not we true. Are, we are social people, but I think that also points to this rising element of isolation. Mm. What's interesting is as our society is getting more hyper-connected online, as we have more Facebook friends and and Instagram followers and are exchanging information digitally, rates of isolation and loneliness are like skyrocketing, especially amongst young folks and especially amongst those of us who are most likely to be connected digitally. And that is troubling. And, And because friendship matters. But you know what, Bridget, before we dive into that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Okay, we're back. Friendship matters. So you might be thinking, um, you know, okay, so I don't have a lot of friends. Big deal. I have a happy, you know, I have a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever. I have a happy work life. Mm -hmm. But here's why you should care. So they've actually done studies that show that loneliness Mm -hmm. is actually... A, a real problem in terms of your health. And so that might sound strange, but it's actually true. And so science has actually proven that friend bonds, not family bonds, actually help to increase the longevity of your life. Mm-hmm. And that chronic loneliness has this such a big impact on our physical well-being that it actually is the same mortality risk as like smoking. Right. So mortality risk. Think so, about that. Like not having friendships can be bad for your health. Totally. And bad so for your life. Everybody shortens your life. Shortens your it's life. It's crazy. And so, you know, everybody needs time alone. Mm-hmm. And like, not to say that if you're a loner, you're going to die. Right. But it's something that, you know, to keep in mind. And so. And I think it also puts a strain on your partnership or in your family totally. dynamic. If you don't have, we all need those friendships beyond the, the single or, or, or very limited number of close bonds that you might have. And it makes sense, right? It has a lot to do, I think, with stress and with overall mental wellness and mental well-being. There's this really fascinating study that UCLA did on the friendship among women in particular. And what they found was mind-blowing. First of all, I learned that something around 90% of stress research in this country has been done exclusively based off of male participants, Mm. which was a total, like, what-the-heck moment for me. I was like, that can't be good. We know that when you study all men, when it comes to heart attack symptoms, we don't get symptoms that are going to help women identify heart attack risk. So thinking about all the time and effort I I put into figuring out how to reduce stress for people and how to prevent burnout for women, there's just not enough research and on that. And that's absurd because, as we all know, women be stressing, right? right. Like, <laughs> we have a lot, we have stressful right. lives, right. right? Like, making right. less money for the same work is very right. stressful. And also doing, you know, twice the amount of housework and child care, exactly. even in the most woke of households (laughs) is still stressful. So what they found doing this research on women about female friendships is that in addition to that fight or flight instinct that that is exhibited traditionally in times of stress, right, that experience of cortisol, right, fight or flight, getting your brain in caveman mode, um, what they found among women is that it seems that there's this hormone oxytocin released as a part of the stress response. And you might know oxytocin from what gets released after sex. Oh. Right? Because oxytocin creates intimate bonds. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to love somebody. And fascinatingly, the research, and this is from Dr. Klein, says 
that it buffers the fight or flight response and instead encourages the stressed out woman to quote tend to the children and gather with other women instead it actually encourages female to female friendships mm. and they think you know the, the theory is way back to our cavemen and cavewoman days when men were in fight or flight mode women were like let's not forget about the baby you know <laughs> like let's team together and i think that points to the other research out there on how women are collaborative leaders are right. very small d democratic in their response to to challenges. And it just totally aligned to me that friendships are good for your health and also stressful times make you want to reach out and, and connect with other female friends you might have in your world. Like that totally resonated with my experience when I'm feeling stressed out. And maybe my partner has already done what he can. You know what I mean? I've already expressed my stress to him. It's my chance to text whomever, like my girlfriends, even if they live halfway across the country and say, totally. can you talk to me about this? I'm like, I'm reaching out or trying to when I'm, when I'm, when I'm actually dealing with my stress right. in a healthy way, I should say. Um, yeah. I mean, this, that, that research that you pulled just resonates so mm-hmm. profoundly with me. I think back to a time in my life when I was very stressed out, but mm-hmm. like living, very like like a, a very lonely existence. It was I just moved to San Francisco and mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody and I was working on a very stressful campaign. Mm. And I would go through days just having these like, you know, these like um very uh stilted like interactions with like right. baristas right. and like, you know, whoever, like just people in my day. And those were the only real kind of like social interactions I right. had. And I just craved like having conversations with my girlfriends. Like I would right. sit in coffee shops and overhear girls at brunch laughing right. and sort of get get a little secondhand laughter from there, you know, <laughs> lean into their table oh, to sort of listen. And I do. I think that as we yeah. as we find ourselves in stressful situations, our our pull is toward those Connection. female connections. And I know that when I first graduated from college, I thought to myself, I have an important job to do. I'm so busy trying to prove myself worthy of this chance that someone gave me to step into these big shoes and be a state director at a really young age and run around the state of Rhode Island for two and a half years, you know, doing the best I could at work, that I totally discounted the importance of my friends. And I'll be the first to admit it. Was it bad for me? Yes. But it was also, it was not nice. It was not nice to my friends. It's not nice. You know, granted, they used to be one cafeteria away in college, but now I was isolated. It didn't help that I was in a really toxic relationship, romantic relationship at the time. But what confounded all of those challenges and frankly led me to burn out is the fact that I had not kept those relationships alive. And there is, there's, I think there's an element to to this which is saying it's hard to do that. And there's also a reality saying, to which I would like to say, you have the power to make your friendships a priority. And I think for women especially, friendships with other women is are important. (laughs) You know, like those that's not something to be um to think like I did. I may, you know, learn from my mistake, please, on this, which is, oh, my job is too important. I don't have the time for the luxury. That is friends. Because friends not, are not a luxury, no. right? Like, right. we need friendships, we need relationships. And you don't want to have that day where you're trying to move and you put up that Facebook post of like, who's going to help me move? And right. you got nobody, right? Like, which we've all felt that we've way. We've all felt you know? that way, yeah. There's this amazing article in the Seattle Times that I also came across in this that says, for women, friendships not only rules, it protects, it buffers the hardships of life's transitions, lowers blood pressure, boosts immunity, and promotes healing. 
It might help explain why women, on average, have lower rates of heart disease and longer life expectancies than men. Wow. Right? So, like, it's it's pulling from the same research you found on the health benefits and the mortality rates associated with, you know, either having a lot of tight female friendships or not. But, I, you know, all the research is pointing to how it's important for women especially to have other women friends. And you're talking to, I'm, I'm coming at this from the perspective of a tomboy. Like my whole childhood was me, my best friend, Christine, and then we would play football in the street with all the boys, right? We were, I was one of the girls that was very much a tomboy. And so for me, f- female friendship was intimidating right. as an adult woman. I think it can be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, wh- why do you think that is? I mean, I, I was not really that much of a tomboy growing up, but I do think the idea of making friends with other women can be intimidating. Mm. And I think we also have this like, weird stereotype that I don't think is true right. in culture where it's like, oh, women, they're so much, they're such, they're so dramatic. Like, oh, they're going to catfight. Like, you know, women are always tearing each other down. And yeah. we know that's not. The queen bee myth, exactly, myth has exactly. been disproven, right, at work. But that was, that was really confined to the workplace, oh. that research, I think, which came out of NYU a yeah. couple years ago. Um, I found this great study um, that for for disclaimer, first of all, it was actually uh, funded by Diet Coke. Okay, so we know it's legit. Yeah, yeah. Studying, it was called Girl Talk, the New Rules of Female Friendship and Communication. So you know they were trying to become the next Coke with a name on it type campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we get more women to drink Diet Coke? Well, they studied women and, and put them all on focus groups and asked them a million questions about their female friendships. And the other disclaimer here is this was exclusively done in the U.K., so I don't know if there are cross-cultural communication differences between gal pals across the pond versus <laughs> here. But what they found was that there was a distinctive theme emerging how a lot of women want to be seen as, quote, one of the lads, <laughs> as opposed to being a girly girl, as one participant put it. In, indeed, many of the women reinforce the stereotype of the other woman. Like, I'm not them as being... Uh, and then there's a word here I can't even say, but not so nice. It's Ooh. not, it's not quite bossy. It's a little more hardcore Does than that. Does it start with a B? It's another B word. Okay. Exactly. And backstabbing, which was kind of funny because they were very candid. Like we're being about it being a little, of women being a little wary of other women. And I think that friendship, um, bar, that threshold of friendship when you are a grown woman, right? As an adult gets high. There is, Without a doubt, not an audition period, I want to say, but there is a uh, a prospecting period. Definitely, when you make you meet a new woman, you make a connection, you you admire this person. There's a couple of, I think, friend dates before you know for sure if oh, this the, person's crazy. The friend date, it's like right. it's like a first date, just as awkward. It's awkward. but it's with a friend. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think the the research from Coke, uh, it resonates with me. I think I think I definitely went through a phase where. I badly wanted to be seen as like one of the guys, even though yeah. I wasn't. And I would pretend to be interested in things that like I had no really? real interest in. I'd be like, oh, I love football. Wow. Um, and I, I'll never forget. Um, it was like the um, season finale of The Real World, which I used to love. Oh my God. And I <laughs> didn't watch that. I watched like a football game instead mm. to impress the dudes. Oh, not cool. Well, you didn't want to be the girl. Correct. Who asked. To switch the channel. Even though yeah. we, we both know that was a bit, like a, would have been a more Where, fun thing to watch. Whereas I have anxiety around not always relating to what the overwhelming majority of women oh. are talking about. Cause I'm not into The Bachelor. You know what I mean? Right. Or I'm not into, and, and I, I've, 
used to attempt to fake it till I make it and it didn't work. <laughs> it was a, it was a face palm moment. But I think what is important, at least in my experience, and maybe we should sort of, this is a good time to, to start talking about solutions to yeah. the awkwardness. But what I found is not having that anxiety about, I hope they like me and I hope I like them. Right. But instead being like as authentic to who you are as you can be. Totally. And seeing who's into that and seeing if you're into their authentic self. Totally. And if you're not, like, that's okay yeah. too. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to the research we were just, we were opening the show with where we, it's not all negative. Like, it is good to be choosy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to like this other person. She doesn't have to like you, right? right? Like, just be your authentic self. Right. And if you, and you know. digs it. If, yeah. Put it out there. If it right. clicks, it clicks. Right. It's tricky, though. Because I think I want girlfriends, you know? So when I have someone who I'm like, I think we could be real friends here. You kind of get your expectation up. You get your hopes up. But. Um, the other, the other piece of interesting tidbit that came up in some of the research here was a lot of, and this is from the Diet Coke study, a lot of women said they have compartmentalized friends. Mm. They have friends to do the workout classes with. They have friends to go hiking with. They have friends, work friends, happy hour friends, brunch friends. And that was like, yeah, that's totally my life. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, my sports friends, are not the people I would want to go out with. Right. But my going out to dance on a Saturday night friends might not be the people I want to, you know, call up when I'm having a crisis. So, right. like, having different friends for different reasons sounds a little cynical in terms of, like, being almost a little transactional, yeah. which maybe is a DC thing. But <laughs> I found that to resonate. And but, and but none of them can match what I have from my best friend from growing up. And my best friend from college. Right. You know, it's a different level. Um, just out of curiosity, did this study also conclude with that, like, nothing bonds girlfriends like a good Diet Coke? <laughs> nothing gets ladies. <laughs> I know a lot of women who would agree with that. I am not a soda fan, really. I'm not a, I'm not a diet soda fan, especially, but I know a lot of people who are like, do not get in between me and my, uh, Diet Coke. Just to be clear, Diet Coke is not sponsored this podcast. <laughs> but if they want to call us, no. That's funny. Okay. Is it all bad, Bridget? It's not all bad. It sounds bad. We just told you that your it lack of friends awkward. was going to kill you. <laughs> but it's not all bad. So let's let's talk about some solutions that we've also found in our lives and in the research. But first, let's take a quick break. I think now would be a good time. And hear a word from our sponsors. <laughs> And we're back. And it is not all bad news. It is hopefully not a surprise to you that making female friends as a grown-up can be a little awkward. But I think that pickiness that you were talking about just before the break is also known as mindfulness, right? Mm. It's also known as being uh, thoughtful and pensive about how you want to this spend It's a lovely your time. spin. <laughs> it is. It's such a positive versus a negative frame for the same exact <laughs> topic, but... I have learned over the years that the number one way to make my life happier, to make myself happier, is to actually cut off toxic people and to stop spending time doing things I don't want to do or spending time with people I don't want to spend time with who make me feel bad and not having to justify that, right? Not having to explain myself, but just really knowing that I can spend time how I want to spend time with whom I want to spend time. Totally. And I mean... 
like we were saying before, I mean, light, as you get older, you kind of realize mm. life is so short. I think back to my 20s and I think about like all the jerks I spent time right. with, all the people that like I did, I felt obligated to spend my time with. Yes. I would never do that now. Right. And I think that obligation goes back to all the stuff that women deal with about trying to be nice and wanting to be nice. And are we going to be that B word if we, you know, cut someone out or if we choose to, you know, not oblige when we feel obligated. And I, I heard a quote once. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the word boss and bossy and bossed up. And someone said to me, like, you are the CEO of your life. Hire, fire, and promote accordingly. Ooh, I like that. Right? Like, take ownership over, um, you know, being receptive to friendship, but you can be picky about who you bring into your inner circle. And those boundaries, setting those boundaries and, and really choosing carefully whom you trust. Right. Uh, that's just part of being a grown up, right? That's part of learning. And it took me getting burned a lot to figure that out in romantic relationships and friendships in which you realize, oh my God, this person is a textbook narcissist. I can't spend time with her anymore. <laughs> like she actually doesn't even notice when I'm not there because I'm calling out sick and doesn't like care to follow up with me. You know, I think there are certain times when I've spent time with people whom I admire professionally and then turn out to not be a friendship material. Right. <laughs> harsh. It's harsh, it but true. Harsh. Cut them out, though. Like, you got just, to. You, you yeah. have to. And I don't just, feel bad about it and don't apologize for it. Yes. It's not... It has to be done. Yeah. It makes a huge impact on your mood, on your levels of happiness. It and, does. And invest in relationships that do make you feel good. Exactly. So that was my big learning after burning out professionally and not really being there for my friends and not, you know, being close with my friends for years. And I, I lost some friends over those two years because I wasn't taking friendship seriously. I, I didn't think friendship mattered. And that was my bad. That was a bad, bad learning on my part. Right. But after that, I realized, like, if, even if my best girlfriend from college lives, a, you know, a million miles away, lives up in Boston, we are going to have a regular phone call. We are going to have a regular hangout. And for our college buddies, what she organized, and which I love, is a monthly Google Hangout. Like, we all have it on our calendars, and we've kept in touch. We don't always make every single one because right. life happens. But there's about five of us. We get on a Google Hangout once a month. And, you know, one of our friends, two of our friends from college got married, and then they had a baby. And now we're, like, watching their baby grow up Ugh. on on a Google Hangout once a month. I love that. And it's I think, so good. Yeah, I mean, not to be too sort of, like, not to be so sad about it, but I have a group of close friends. We were very close in high school. And, you know, we've all moved. We have different job things. People have gotten married, had kids, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We don't see each other as much as we should. And mm. we had a death in our friend group. Uh -huh. And we were all very sad. We all came together for this funeral. But really what was so upsetting was that, like, it took that. It took, you know, something yeah. really sad happening to get us all in the same room yeah. for the first time in many years. And yeah. I remember when we left, we were like, let's not have it be another five years. And then we're back again for something sad because right. someone's in the hospital, something yeah. bad has happened. Let's have the next time we see each other be something that we planned and it's going to be fun and happy, not yeah. like this intense feeling of dread and obligation and guilt. Right. Um, so definitely make time for those friendships. Yeah, and it makes you realize just how short life can be. Yes. And there's something you can do about it, right? Take your power back. Take your power over your schedule back. To me, that's what it always comes down to. It's like, 
okay, you tell me you care about these people. Where in your calendar, where in how you spend time do you, do you, does it align with that? Totally. Like there's that cognitive dissonance between what I say I care about or who I say I care about. It's like that old and, quote. What, um, what is it? Like, tell me how you spend your time and I'll tell you what you care about, right? right. Like if you yes. spend your time all, all working, right. you care about work and that's it. So. And that is socially acceptable, socially encouraged, I would say, especially here in the U.S., and that's what I talked about when I was a guest on this podcast a year ago was that martyrdom mindset, that idea that I have to sacrifice my happiness to be a good employee or to be a good boss or to be a good whatever professional right. when in reality having friends is key to a happy, healthy life, is key to your longevity, right? And that means making the time and committing to it as though you would commit to any professional obligation. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I think so. Um, so I have a little tidbit that mm-hmm. I thought was really cute. I found it in, in Bustle, an Love article it. about how we can make friends with adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has this, I thought this was adorable. It's this idea of like a friend blind date or a friend fix up. Right. So basically you ask your, your amazing friends, like who in your life do I need to be meeting? Who in yeah. your life do you think like I shouldn't be living without knowing this person? Yeah. Right. And then fix me up with them. Yeah. So. It may sound awkward, but if you think of it the same way that you think of a romantic date, right? Where it's yeah. like, we're just going on a little, a little fix up. It's got an f- um, endorsement of a friend. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Friend. And again, like your friend networks have this, think of them as this like vast untapped resource mm-hmm. of really cool women that you can be friends with. And I've actually done that via Facebook whenever I travel to a new city because oh. my life is heavily on the road and wherever I'm hosting events or when I'm you know, going to be in town for a speaking engagement anyway, I shout out on my Facebook, well, hey, ladies, or hey, everyone, who should I definitely be meeting with while I'm in New York this trip? Like, what women do you think I must know? And that has yielded some amazing responses. But the interesting thing about it, and I think it's worth mentioning here, is that it's not enough to have a phone call or have an email exchange. It's about the in-person. Definitely. So, and we know this from our organizing yeah. background. It's about the one-on-one meeting and making it okay to like share a little bit about what you care about, what you're working on, and how we can be supportive of one another in a really tangible way. That that sort of organizing principle behind relationship building totally. has been very applicable to me in my friend world. As well. Same, same, same. Because again, like you can post on Facebook, you can email, right. but you really want that face-to-face, one-on-one, yeah. you know, connection. And I think, I think we should, before we wrap, shout out to our introverts out there. Shout right? out introverts. Because I get a lot of energy from being around people. I love, I'm, I'm a total extrovert. Um, I, I do renew. I don't actually, I don't know what I am anymore. Cause like <laughs> I get renewal from being alone and isolation. I think that's important for everybody, but I think for introvert, introverts, especially the idea of like going out for coffee with someone you admire as a friend date is so intimidating, right? Anxiety provoking in some ways. And that's where I think the bottom line about all of this comes down to it can be awkward, but don't let that awkwardness or the fear of the awkwardness prevent you from reaching out because they might be so thrilled to hear from you. Totally. Um, and I can speak to that. So I'm someone who is a, a pretty anxious person. I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I actually did some research for the show that says that if you are someone who deals with anxiety, it can trick you into thinking that the people that you hang out with are enjoying your company and your time less. And so right. if you're someone who's anxious, if you're someone who's an introvert, just know that like your body and your mind is going might try to convince you that you're not this super compelling fun person to be around right. but it's not true and you just really have to 
have to play through it. Right. Um, it's like the imposter syndrome at work. Totally. But at happy hour totally. and brunch. And oh, again, I mean, we're not awful. saying that like if you're an introvert who likes to be alone, right. you know, you're horrible. Not at all. Right. Quite the opposite. Everyone needs alone time and alone time is very important. Yeah. But we need our friends too. Yeah. I love it. The more you know. I feel <laughs> like the star is going across the screen there. Well, I feel better already. I feel like sometimes as a workaholic and someone who's very obsessed with my career and doesn't really make apologies for that, that it is reinforcing to feel validated around spending time with friends and like just getting that reminder that you not only deserve a kick-ass career, but you also deserve a happy, healthy life. And that, you know, if it takes sending a text or sending an email thread or sending a GCAL invite to make time to spend with your friends, then you are worth it. And you are worthy of that, too. You are worthy. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that you listening right now and Bridge and I can hang out. (laughs) You know, like, can we be friends? Can we be friends? Like, is that awkward? (laughs) We know it is. But I think this is the beginning of establishing relationships that really matter. I know that Sminty listeners care about the same issues that you and I care about, Bridget. Definitely. And that I hope that this is just the beginning of a lot of incredible conversations and a two-way conversation that establishes real rapport, real relationships. Like, we want to hang. Accept our calendar invites, Sminty <laughs> listeners. And so with that, Bridget, I think, uh, I think it's time for us to sign off really and our first our first podcast here for stuff mom never told you i think you're right and so we want to know what we should talk about next right we we know that uh it's 2017 and there are a million new angles to cover the challenges the benefits the perks the pleasures the chaos of being a woman in 2017 it's a lot. There's a lot. So we, we've we got some ideas, and we're very excited to share them with you. But this is about the Sminty listener. This is about what issues are you facing right now? What uh, What's coming up in the workplace for you? What are your goals for 2017? What what kind of activism are you, you know, taking on this year? How can we be of support to you? And we know that there is such a history on this podcast. There is such an incredible array of shows, of content, of, of, of incredible topics that have been covered. And we want to know what we can do to bring even more great stuff your way. So give us a shout out on Twitter. Uh, you can reach Bridget and I on uh, Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And shoot us an email at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Thank you.